We're going to read the word of God. It's taken tonight from Psalm 106. I'm going to read verses 1 through to 6, and then verse 28 to verse 40. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. The words will come up on the screen, follow along. But if you would like to get your own Bible and follow the reading that way, then I believe that that will also be a tremendous help and blessing to your soul. The scripture tell us, blessed is he that readeth the words of the prophecy of this book. It's good to have the word of God. It's good to get a word from God. It's good to hear from the Lord. Let's hear God's word. Psalm 106, verse 1, praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Verse 28, they joined themselves also unto Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions and the plague break in upon them. Then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment and so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learnt their works. And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a-whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own inerrant and infallible word. Now my text tonight is taken from Psalm 106, verses 29 to 31. And my theme this evening is simply entitled The Staying of the plague. Psalm 106 is a lengthy psalm. It records the history of God's mercies to a very sinful, rebellious children of Israel. It's really a psalm of national confession. For the psalmist here is confessing the sins of the nation. And as he does so, he wants to highlight and extol the wonderful and everlasting mercies of God. 
in the first five verses, you've got the introduction. And here the psalmist contemplates the goodness, the greatness, and the grace of Almighty God. He is emphasizing the sovereign, saving grace of God against the backdrop of Israel's many and repeated sins. Then from verses 6 right through to verse 43, he lists for us eight different sins that the children of Israel have committed. And he's spread these eight sins over three specific time periods. The sins that they committed in leaving Egypt. Psalm 106, verses 6 to 12. Then the sins that they committed during the 40 years that they spent wandering in the wilderness. Verses 13, right through to verse 33. And then the sins that they committed when they were in occupation of the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey, verses 34 right through to verse 44. And from verse 45 to the end, then, you've got the conclusion. The children of Israel is remembered in light of God's covenant. He never breaks his covenant promise. And of course, their sins then, according to the grace and mercy of God, are forgiven. They're remitted from them. And glory to God, they're restored to fellowship and peace and the blessing of God. So much so that we read in the scriptures there, it says, And let all the people say, Amen. Which means, so shall it be. And then the words, praise ye the Lord, which is hallelujah. And that's how the psalm started. And that's how the psalm ends. Now, in one of those references involved the sin of apostasy and forsaken the Lord. It is mentioned in Numbers 25. The men of Israel sadly begin to indulge in sexual fantasies with a Moabitish woman. They followed her in the ways of the worship of Baal Peor. Baal Peor was one of the Canaanitish fertility gods. And the Bible tells us as a result, look with me at Psalm 106 and verse 28, they joined themselves unto Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions and the plague break in upon them. In verse 30, we read, Then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment. The word then is Hotan, which means at that time. Phinehas was the grandson of Aaron, uh, one uh, who was a priest of God, and he was the one that executed judgment. And we read, So the plague was stayed. And it tells us in verse 31, and that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations for evermore. Now the words, and the plague was stayed, caught my eye last week. They're recorded five times in the King James Bible. In the book of Numbers 16 and verse 24. And we read there, Numbers 16, rather, and 48. This is what the Word of God says. It says, And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. 
It's mentioned in verse 50, and Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. In Numbers chapter 25 and verse 8, we read, And he went after the man of Israel into the tent, and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And then we read in 2 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 24, and in the verse uh, 25, these words, and David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. And here it is again then in Psalm 106 and verse um, 30. And so the plague was stayed. Now five times. Now, in biblical numerics, five is very important because five is the number of grace. Two and three is the number of witness. Four is the number of completion or creation. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of perfection. Eight is the number of new beginning. Ten is the number of human government. Uh, Twelve and twenty-four is the number of divine rule and authority. Five is the number of grace. And five times the Bible says, and so the plague was stayed. Now, as I have read through Psalm 106 last week, remember we used it as a springboard text dealing with COVID-19 one year on, and I felt guilty that I hadn't actually preached on the text before us. So I want to share some thoughts tonight in this text of Scripture and think about the staying of the plague. Let's think of four things. Think of the cause of the plague. What was the chief cause of this plague? What was the chief cause of every plague that came into the land of Israel, that affected the Middle East and the whole wide world? And the answer is simple and sublime. And the answer is this. Sin. S-I-N. All the plagues mentioned in the Bible came about because of sin. Every plague in the Bible is connected to sin. Sin brings a, a blight not only upon the creature, upon the man, upon the animal, but also upon God's creation. The, the, the creation itself is affected because of sin. If we were to ask tonight, if we turn to number 16, what lay behind the rebellion of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and the 250 prominent men that stood with them, here's the answer. It's sin. You can read number 16, verses 1 through to 50, and the sin of pride and the sin of jealousy. There was Men that thought, well, we could do that job that Moses and Aaron's doing. They take too much upon themselves. Um, God also speaks through us. So it was the sin of pride, the sin of jealousy, the sin of envy, the sin of murmuring. Is that not also true in Numbers 25? Think of these words. They joined themselves also unto Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Here's Psalm 106, verse 28. And it's specific sin of idolatry. It's specific sin of immorality. 
It's the specific sin of false religion, apostasy from God, rebellion at heart and mind, pretending and thinking that they're wiser than God. And if we turn then to um, 2 Samuel in chapter 24, and you've got here the numbering of the people uh, by uh, David. And what do we read there? Uh, What was the uh, sin here? You see, David was moved to number the people from Dan to Beersheba. He wanted to know how many troops he had in his army. And the answer is simple. The root cause was pride. And the Lord hates the sin of pride. He views it as an abomination. We could talk about the pride of life. And the devil, no doubt, was at the back of that, whispering into David's ear, David, how many soldiers have you got in your army? David, you should number them from Dan to Beersheba. And as David attempted to do that, the Lord was displeased. Even his commander-in-chief, who was ordered to carry it out, a man by the name of Joab, knew that it was wrong. And that he didn't fully carry it out. He, he, he was only half-hearted in it. Do you know why? It was wrong and sinful in the eyes of God because David neglected to include the half shekel of redemption. It says in Exodus chapter 30, verse 11, he says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for a soul unto the Lord, when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them, when thou numberest them, this they shall give. Everyone that passes among them that are numbered, half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 giras. A half shekel shall be the offering unto the Lord. Now, do you see that? You see, the root cause of every plague that befell the children of Israel is recorded in the Bible. Sin lay at the door. That's the sum of the whole problem. We read in our psalm, in Psalm 106, it says in verse 29, Thus, for this reason, they provoked him to anger with their inventions. They left off inspiration and made up their own inventions. They were doing what's right in their own eyes. They were doing their own things. They were saying, well, we're as wise as you, God. And we'll decide if it's right or wrong. We'll judge by our own standard. So there was not only sin in general, but there's sin in particular. And that is the cause of every pestilence and every disease and every plague, not only in Israel and the Middle East, but on the whole of the earth. And I have to say tonight, and I say it sympathetically, this COVID-19 has come about not by accident, but by appointment. And this COVID-19 has come about because of sin in the hearts and lives of the world's population. I believe tonight with all my heart that this COVID-19 is a sign of God's displeasure. It's a sign of God's judgment upon the earth. Why are there diseases in the world in the first place? Why are there pestilence and plagues? Here's the answer. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And that takes us back, as we said last week, to Eden. Remember the words in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, there's always been disease. 
and always been plagues and always been pestilences traced right back to the fall of Adam and us in the loins of Adam in the beginning of time. Plagues have always been and will be. And I want to tell you they'll intensify right up to the end. If you turn there tonight to Matthew chapter uh, 24, and remember the Lord Jesus, Matthew 24 and verse 3, has asked three questions by his disciples. And this is what they said. When shall these things be? That's the destruction of the temple. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? It says in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For, or because, many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars, and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And even Solomon, whenever Solomon was praying about the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 28, he said this to God, if there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness they be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel, when every one shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according to all his ways whose heart thou knoweth for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men. Do, do you see that? Can you catch the drift there? Solomon is praying and he knows that the root cause is sin. And he's saying to the Lord, when there's dirt and pestilence and blast you and, and mildew and enemies in the land and, and, and prayer is made, then forgive that sin, Lord. You see, sin brings the judgment of God into a land. And that judgment is but the harbinger of greater judgment to come. And that judgment is real and terrible. And that judgment, I believe, is intensifying. Oh, if you turn over there tonight to the book of Numbers, Numbers 16, Think of the rebellion of Korah. It says in Numbers 16, verse 1, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Pelah, sons of Reuben, took men. Here were the four leaders that were instigators in rising up and envy and jealousy and murmuring against Moses and Aaron. Four men that were linked as the principal leaders to that rebellion. But only three were judged, Korah, Dathan, and Byron. On is not mentioned again. Why not? I asked the question, did he recognize his sin? 
Did he repent of that sin before the Lord? Was he reconciled and redeemed by the grace of God through the blood of the Lamb? You see, there's the cause of the plague. It's sin. Notice, secondly, the consequences of the plague. It says in verse um, 29 of the text in Psalm 106, And the plague breaking upon them. You see, in all of these plagues, every plague, what followed in its wake? Well, as the disease broke out, there was dearth, there was devastation of the country, there was devastation in the family, and there was death came in its wake. In the book of Numbers, Numbers um, 16 and 49, we read this. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died about the matter of Korah. You know what that means? It means that the three ringleaders, the 250 prominent men that the earth opened up and swallowed, in addition to that, there was 14,700 that died in that plague. That plague started spreading like wildfire in the camp. People were just suddenly dropping dead. It was quick. It was instant. So much so that Moses ordered Aaron to get in between the living and the dead and take a censer and put incense upon it. And he told him there to make an atonement for the people. In Numbers 25 and in the verse 9, we read this concerning another plague that broke out. Um, this is with the incident with the Moabitish women and the children of Israel. It says, and those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. Do you see that? Because of the sin of immorality and idolatry and apostasy and false religion, that plague broke out and 24,000 died. Now I know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 8, that Moses mentions, or Paul mentions rather, this incident. He said that there was 23,000 fell in one day. Now there's no mistakes in the Bible. The total of 24,000 and out of that 24,000, 23 fell in one day. And the other 1,000 in between that one day, uh, whether before that one day or after that one day. If you turn over there to Second uh, Samuel chapter 24, we read in verse uh, 15 uh, these words. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan to Ber even to Beersheba 70,000 men. Second Samuel 24 and 15. You see, David acknowledged and confessed his sin. He knew that he had done wrong. And he was offered three choices by God through Gad the prophet. Seven years of famine. Three months to flee before your enemies. Or you can have three days of plague in the land. David had to pick one. He did. He picked the three days of plague in the land. He knew that God was merciful. And God, of course, did show mercy. Sin, remember, has consequences. It pays wages. Here's a price, a heavy price that paid for this plague of David numbering the people. 70,000 from Dan to Beersheba. And the angel came to the very gates of Jerusalem. And the angel was standing there at the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. 
And at that point, he was stopped by the Lord. The Lord intervened. And that threshing floor, by the way, is none other than the Temple Mount. And it was there that um, David built an altar unto the Lord. And, and, and the plague was stayed. Do you know that the Bible tells us in the book of James, in James chapter 1 and in the verse 15, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. In Hebrews 9 and verse 27 that I quoted this morning, let me quote it again. It says, And so it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. After death, there's the judgment. There's the meeting of God. The Lord Jesus said three times, If you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. He said in Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which can kill the body, but rather fear him that has power to throw both body and soul into hell. Here's an illustration now of large numbers. Here's the consequences of the plague. 14,700, 24,000, 70,000. To date in Northern Ireland, through the ravages of COVID-19, 776,663 people have been tested to date. And out of this, 103,960 have tested positive. To date, the death toll, either with or because of COVID, and we're not sure of the exact numbers, the statistics are stark and startling. 1,850, that's the figures we're being given. Tonight, we're told that there's 731 in hospital due to covid Never mind everybody else that's in hospital due to sickness. And also there's 69 in ICU. There's 127 care homes tonight affected with COVID-19. You see, and not only Northern Ireland, that's only one little country. You take the rest of the United Kingdom. Take the great United States of America. Take the, the countries that form the European Union. And then multiply that with what's taking place in other parts of the world. And you will see that the whole world is affected with this awful disease called COVID-19. COVID-19, of course, can affect the body. But I'm thinking not only about the death of individuals. I'm thinking about the loss of their soul in eternity. I'm thinking of those that die without Christ in an unconverted state and lost forever. And when I think of death, I, I, I think of where were they last Sunday? Did they hear the gospel? Did they know Christ as Lord and Savior? How are they dying? Are they dying in Christ? Or, or are they dying without Christ and without hope and without God in the world? You know, in the old Salvation Army, when somebody died, they had this little saying, they were promoted to glory. And of course, that's true. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. But to die without Christ, that's an awful consequence. Not only the ravages of death in the body, but to lose your soul. Surely that's the greatest consequence of all. I want you to think not only of the cause and the consequence, but I want you to think of the commonality of the plague. And I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a scientist, I'm not highly educated, but I want to tell you, these plagues were real. This COVID-19 plague is real, it's, it's ravishing. And we could talk about other plagues that have affected the world at other times. We could talk about the 
Black Plague. We could talk about the Spanish Flu. We could talk about SARS-1. We could talk about Ebola in West Africa in 2014. We could talk about the years when the ravages of the flu have uh, killed people in their tens of thousands. You see, as I have dealt with or tried to deal with COVID-19, there's been two responses. Some people have looked upon it as just an outbreak. An outbreak, of course, of disease speaks of being in a certain place, a, a small place, one geographical area. But this is more than an outbreak. It's even more than an epidemic because it has spread to other places in a larger scale. This is called a pandemic because there's more than one country. It has gone international. And some sadly have become so full of fear and panic and they thought, well, we're all going to die and they've locked themselves in their houses and they're affected physically and mentally and, and emotionally. To others, that they've said, well, it's no big deal. Some have even said it's a load of rubbish. There's no such thing as a plague. Some have adopted the mindset, I'm going to accept no virus. No virus is going to stop me doing my thing. But I want to say both responses are wrong. Because here's a situation that quickly changes. And what was true in biblical times is true now. And it, it demands a biblical approach, a level-headed approach. Let's not be ruled by fear, but let's rule our lives by faith. But let's acknowledge that everything can change so quickly. And a man can be in health and strength, can be brought down very quickly in a moment's time. Sadly, this COVID-19 has been used as a way to stop the public gatherings of God's people. And I believe tonight that the devil, of course, is rubbing his hands with glee. He, he hates to have the church services. He hates to have the public gathering of God's people. He, he's doing all in his power to stop the spread of the gospel and the ministry of Christ. Now, of course, we can't defy the legal authorities the absence of the public gathering of God's people in the house of God has been decided by our presbytery. And we, we are conscious of that. And yet we know what the devil's mindset is. We know it's uh, brought about a, a stranglehold to the country. The economy's been hit hard. Many have lost their jobs. The food chain has been affected. We, we know that uh, homes have been affected. The ravages of sickness and death has come. We know the medical workforce is exhausted. We know that medical supplies are, are probably um, uh, being sought after with greater demand. This is affecting the church. It's affecting our economy. It's affecting our lives. And these are all common things about the plague. Because a plague brings death. A plague brings devastation. A plague brings disease. A plague brings dearth into the land, into the home, into a family. Chairs are empty. People are crying. People are heartbroken. These are all the common things that's connected to the plague. Poverty and everything else that goes along with it. Let me close tonight with the cure of this plague. Ultimately, as far as COVID-19 is concerned, our doctors will do the best. They'll use their medicine. The vaccine will be rolled out. And we do pray for the sick and the suffering. But ultimately, this COVID-19, like every other plague, can only be stopped by divine intervention. Three times in the Bible, on five occasions, connected to those three times, we read the words, and the plague was stayed. 
And how was it stopped? It was stopped by divine intervention. And remember reading about the mercies of the Lord to a sinful, rebellious people. And these people were given reason to praise the Lord because the Lord had shown mercy to them. And if the Lord had not stepped in and stopped the plague, more than 14,700 would have died in Korah's rebellion. More than 24,000 would have uh, uh, died whenever they were worshipping Baal Peor. And more than 70,000 would have died in the day that David, full of pride, energized by the devil, numbered the people. And how was the plague stopped? Let me suggest this as we close. There was a priest to execute righteous judgment. And that priest was Phinehas. It says in verse 30, then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment. And so the plague was stayed and that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. Here's a priest who dealt with the sin of the day. He followed the man and woman into the tent and in their iniquity and immorality, he uh, speared them through the belly. A worthy priest was found to step forward. He's the grandson of Aaron. And he's a faint picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, that great glorious high priest of his people. One who stepped forward, one who was worthy to execute judgment because he dealt with sin. And he dealt with sin by the death of himself. And an atonement was made. Isn't that what we're told in Numbers 16 verse 48? And an atonement was made whenever Aaron took the censer, filled it with incense, run in among the living and the dead. He made an atonement for the people. Sin was put away and reconciliation was sought. And even in the days of David, there was a sacrifice offered in Calvary's hill. The threshing floor of Aaron the Jebusite is the very place where Abraham had offered his son Isaac. And offered the ram in his stead. And of course that was a prefiguring of the Savior coming to lay down his life on Calvary's hill for us. And it's interesting that David used the wood. And used the animals. And made a sacrifice in that hill. And I see a picture of the cross. And it's not just for the plague. The real ravaging plague in his day. But I think about the biggest and worst plague of all. The plague of sin. That, that, that sin that can destroy and deceive and damn your soul. And COVID-19 is but a physical reminder. So is every plague. So is every disease. But let's go beyond what is happening physically. And it's ravaging in the body. Let's think about what sin is doing to the body. But what sin is doing to the soul. And what's the answer? It's divine intervention. It's a priest to rise up who will execute God's judgment and deal with sin. And an and atonement being offered and made. And a sacrifice being accepted. And that's a picture of Christ and the cross. Oh, I love that hymn. I was thinking about it earlier today. I was meditating upon it this afternoon. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross. In the cross be my glory ever Till my ransomed soul shall find Rest beyond the river Will you let the Lord bring the scenes of the cross before you? The blood shedding of the Lamb of God That Sister Sophie was singing about Will you walk and live in that light? Allow the shadow of the cross to fall upon you For that's the cure for this plague And that's the cure for your sin And my sin tonight we're going to sing in closing.
the lovely words of 293. And of course, again, that brings us to the cross. And this is what it tells us. 293. Think of the words as they come up on the screen. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. If you want to get to heaven, if you want to be with Christ, if you want to see your loved ones again who have died in Christ and in the glory land, then you've got to come through the cross of Christ. Recognize you're a sinner. Bow the knee before him. Cry out, Lord, save me, I perish. And receive him as your Lord and Redeemer tonight. Your prophet, your priest, and your king. Thank you for listening. The Lord bless you. May the Lord use his word tonight for his glory and the praise of his name.